Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Chelsea. This is the penultimate Chelsea of the season. Can you believe it? This season seemed as though it would never, ever finish. And now here we are. Are we going out with a whimper, a smile? What are we going out with? I don't know. It's such a strange time. I don't know where we are. So maybe somebody who can give me some guidance is our very own man of the A to Z. It's Andy Saunders. Hello, Andy. What's that mean, man of the A to Z? Well, it means... Well, you know your way around the place. I mean, you're always travelling to Chelsea here yeah, and there. He doesn't. A to Z, that's such an old man thing to say. Well, yeah, but you're Nobody quite old. Nobody uses an A to Z anymore. Does anybody, do you use an A to Z? Yeah, do you know what an absolutely. A to Z is, Gary? Yeah, you don't know what does. an A to Z is. Yeah. Done the knowledge, mate. Yeah. <laughs> have you actually done the knowledge? Have I? Well, have I? Sorry, I got told off for swearing. No, I have not. Right, okay. <laughs> But, and anyway, I mean, we no used one... to use A to Z. I mean, for, for those of you listening that don't live in London, presumably, an A to Z was a book full of maps of London that you had to cross-reference with an index to find out where you were going. And now, of course, we do it all on Google Maps on our phones. So. But not just London, of course. No, I was using the analogy because you're quite old, so therefore, you know, you are like my well-thumbed copy of the A to Z, which still sits in the back of my car bit useless but every now and then we'll provide a gem and of course you've been all over the place because we will get on to it you've been to Leeds this week or Mm -hmm. last week and that'll be it for your gallivanting around with Chelsea I presume but uh, how's your week been it's been fine I'm in I'm in Norfolk at the moment uh enjoying the sunshine which is nice um in your newly done up house yeah, lovely. And um, you're so yeah, it's been, rich. It's been it's been absolutely fine. I just I went to Leeds and uh, been doing a little bit of work up in Norfolk. Going to come back for Leicester on Thursday, and uh, and then what? For then we're done. We're done. It's over. Finished. Are you happy that it's nearly over? Yeah, man. I would I would be happy if it had been finished like a couple of weeks ago. I'm kind of done with it. Season. Fair enough. We might have felt differently if we'd won the cup, perhaps. But I know what you mean. Perhaps. Well, look, our, our other guest, you've already heard him swear once. It is the man of few words. It's Gary Hayes. Hello, Gary. I should have said as well, actually, um, my uncle, well, my great uncle was a, a cabbie, so I knew all about the knowledge. I think he still is, actually. Right. What, well, he's uh, still yeah. your great uncle, or did he disown you? Is that what you're saying? Well, he's not dead, so. Well, it's, it's harder and harder to be a. Uh, a cab driver these days because of the Uber situation. He's about 90, but he still yeah. does it. His name's Charlie. When I was in New York, what oh, was interesting... Uh, oh, sorry, listen, no. listen, I'm talking to Gary. When uh, when I was in New York, Gary, um, uh, what was really surprising was the lack of yellow cabs. There's like really? very few yellow cabs anymore because it's all Uber. 
So hailing oh, a yellow wow. cab on the street, which was like, you know, the, the normal thing to do, in two years, it's become almost exclusively Uber and Lyft. I wonder if um, COVID sped that up, maybe. Poss- possibly, yeah. But, and that's the same in London to a degree. It's like, you know, there's not as many black cabs as there used to be. Do you think, yeah, I, I guess maybe it's part of that whole thing that people stayed in quite a lot, so they waited to see and started vetting where they were going, perhaps. I don't know. It's a, it is a strange thing, because, I mean, New York is synonymous with yellow cabs. So Yeah, I was really surprised. And green cabs. Not so much a green Not cab. Not so much. Yeah, green no, cabs. well, the, the green cabs are in the four boroughs, whereas the yellow cabs are in the five boroughs. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, sorry, right. I forget. You're, you're a man who's almost American. Well, what it was is that the, the green cabs could pick you up in Brooklyn or Queens or, you know, outside of Manhattan and drop you off, but they couldn't pick a fare up there. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. So they'd drop a- you off and then they'd drive back and they could... So it was basically a way to get people to have... Because all the yellow cows wanted to be on Manhattan, didn't they? Because that's where the business was. So everywhere else didn't have them. Mm. Uh, so they created the green cabs. Well, I think we've, you know, ascertained that this is a programme about taxis. So can, can I just say as well, um, as we're talking about the end of the season, you said about are you ending it with a smile? I wasn't until I just got a message as we came on air... Because I messaged my mate, who shall name remain nameless, Kerry, for obvious reasons. I said, uh, post-match beers on Sunday, mate. I've canned Kerry because I'm going to eat with him before the game so we can get sloshed after. And he got back to me to said now and said, can I let you know? Depends on what time our allotment AGM begins. I'm really, I'm really keen to meet the guy with the plot next to me and get some advice and sorting some issues on our border. (laughs) You are officially middle aged, guys. Oh my goodness! I'm like, mate, it's the last game of the season. I even said to him, last one of the season. You know, is it to say you're gonna come right? And no, I'm going to an allotment AGM. Well, you know, that's understandable. And don't forget, the most important part of that is I've been Kerry. Oh, that's the most important part of that message. <laughs> I yeah. added that bit in there to wind him up. Yeah, well, I took no notice. And let's not forget, <laughs> you sending a message to somebody, hey, let's get sloshed, is A, quite a strange thing to say because it's such an old word, a bit like an A to Z. And also, how many how many does it take for you to get sloshed? Well, it's our Scott Minto, not many. Yeah, I would think a tea, tea cups worth of... That was one of my favourite moments of the week, is a picture of the Gary Centre Scott Minto desperately looking at his phone, trying to pretend that he's too busy Shall, to shall I tell you what Gary. happened? Shall I tell you what happened? I was stood on London Bridge to, uh, London Bridge Station um, platform to get the overground, and um, yeah, I was a few sheets to the wind, and I had a headache, so I still Again, had my shades on. Again, a teacup of alcohol. Yeah, I, I had my shades on at midnight, and... Um, this geezer walked past me and just double took me and went, Gary, while I was eating this chicken kebab, which was lovely, by the way. And I was like, oh, all right, Scott. And he goes, what are you doing wearing shades? I took it. I was like, sorry, I've got a headache. And we got on the train together because he lives in Orpington. And, oh, so how do you know Scott Mento? Away. Oh, just from when I was at Chelsea. He used to come in the office all the time because he was on Chelsea TV. Right. And uh, so anyway, on the back of this now, I just got him in the programme for Sunday, doing a little feature of him. Lovely. I messaged him. I said, Scott, you came up in an editorial meeting today. So now he's going to be in the programme on Sunday as well. He loves it. God, you know how to make them famous, don't you? you really I really are. do. You are really friends to the stars. And I love that. I am. You, I like Scott Minto. He's all right. He's a damn fine bloke. The thought well, of talking to Gary, a pissed Gary. Oh, you know what, as well? You know what I did Eating with him? chicken kebabs on the train. Oh, it was a good that was, You know what? I was eating it and I thought I'm going to regret this, but it was absolutely lovely. And uh, as I was chatting to Scott as well, um, turns out some former players that he played with, he didn't have their numbers. So I was like, Scott, I'll put you in touch, mate. Connecting. You refer to him as Mins as well. Mints. 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 It's Mints. like, come on. That's his, yeah, but if you're in the dressing room, that's his nickname. Even when we're chatting to Dubes, he was like, oh, Mints, because they were good mates, weren't they? Yeah, they were. And it, he's actually true. I'm going to have to back him up on this. It's what they call him, Mints. Just when you're in these Chelsea circles, you know, you just know the names. Yeah, you know. I mean, we, we could <laughs> we could talk about nicknames, couldn't we, Gary? <laughs> two, oh, two, two, sugar, two sugars Gary, as they used to call him, because he was just getting in cups of tea. Okay, do you know the what David boy. Lee... No, no milk, no do milk. You know, okay, Andy, here's one for you, because you know him. Do you know David Lee's nickname? I do. Go he doesn't, then. he doesn't. Well, I bet he doesn't, I bet he doesn't. 
<laughs> okay. Well, I mean, his his local nickname amongst the fans is Rodders. Yeah, among the fans, but yeah, we're talking okay. about those among no. the, Go the on. in the okay. no, in the nose in the right. nose. We know what, what, what's his nickname for those in the know? Horse. Okay. But do you know can, why? No, because it carries. It's, it's nothing to do. It's nothing to do with the shower. It's because okay. um, he once had it. He was doing shooting practice with Dave Besson at Harlington, and there was a a field way behind, and he sc- like, hit it, and he goes, "Yeah, it would have hit Rose Ed, but it hit a horse instead." So oh. ever since then, they all call him Horse. And okay. he said he even he bumped into Kerry Dixon recently, and he was like, um, he said, "Kerry, you're right." He went, "Oh, right, Horse." He goes, I st- "They still call me Horse now." And then what was it? They I can't remember. Oh, the wig is what they call Kerry Dixon, isn't it? The wig. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. You cannot, anyone who's listening to this, you cannot say this is disappointing. The the first 10 minutes of this is just informative. Well, it is interesting. I mean, look, I mean, you two have been making this this documentary called The Blueprint, which Gary's now, you know, revealed on, uh, on social media. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit where you're at with that? Well, I'll, let me hand over to Gary because we are we are about sixty interviews in now, aren't we, Gary? What, what is eighty? What is it? What is it? What is it? Uh, Gary, you explain how you like to be describing this now. It is the narrative story of how Chelsea went from perennial Premier League also runs in nineteen ninety two to European champions in twenty twelve. It's the creation of modern Chelsea, basically. And the creation of modern football through And when is that? What's the start date in... What's the kind of nominal start date? So we start off the narrative. We start off at the the pivot point in the story is Barcelona 2005. And then we put it right back to when Hoddle came in. Then we bring it right up to 2012. So it's not really about 2012. So although the anniversary of 2012 is this Thursday, depending on what day you're listening, the 19th... um, which is when we play Leicester, funnily enough. Um, it's not about that. That is the end of the story. That is the end of the narrative. But it's about just how Chelsea got there. And we've spoken to everyone ranging from Ken Bates in Monaco. To me. Right, right through to Andy Saunders. Andy Saunders. <laughs> and he was hard work to pin down. Oh, he was. Diva. Yeah. I mean, but, um, once, once we sorted my diary out, I did give you five minutes. And your, and your rider. but um and and just being serious for a second but there's a lot that um as we've done it that we didn't know that even yeah i I say even i but people in my position that have worked very closely with the club for a long time when i've been telling them about what we've been doing even they didn't know some of the stuff that we've got um so when's when's it when's it coming out it's going to come out this summer um, right, we don't okay. have an exact date yet, but um, we will be is announcing that, is soon. Is that because Kerry's really lazy with the editing? It's more, it's more the fact he's waiting for me to cut it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm letting him do the donkey work this time. So, it, yeah, it's quite quite good, really. Um, Great. Well, yeah, I'm looking no, forward to it. I'm really are. looking forward to it. And, um, Can I just say, must... if anyone wants to follow us, if you go to blueprint underscore pod on Instagram and Twitter, then we'll have all our updates there because we are going to be dropping some special content soon for this as well. So, um, but it is, it's a great series. It is, I know I'm going to say it because we've worked on it, but we started this seven years ago, didn't we, Kerry? We did. We have had a hiatus for a few years yeah, in between. And, and obviously lockdowns didn't help, but our first interview was, our first interview for it was with Lamps. Yeah. I flew over was. to New York and did the interview with him for it. And it was a different series then to what it's become. But it's incredible. Some of the people we've spoken to, you know, that have existed on the Chelsea, you know, as part of Chelsea behind the scenes doing a lot that people may have forgotten about. So the insight and the stories that we're hearing and the way that we're putting it together is something that really every fan should listen to. Because if you want to understand modern Chelsea and modern football through the eyes of Chelsea, this is the series for it. It sounds amazing, and, and, and uh, you know, it sounds like it's going to be a definitive history. So let, let's keep the listeners updated on, on when it's going to come out. So, Kerry, sorry, back to you. No, thank you very much. And that is the end of the Chels for this week, advertising <laughs> another podcast. <laughs> so, so, yes, well, look, we should, we should go back to last week. We were in a, a strange mood as we approached the Leeds game. Uh, it had been a, a funny old time against Wolves at the weekend, as we've talked about. And some of us 
trekked all the way up to Elland Road for that. And that somebody was the A to Z of football, Mr Andy Saunders. What was that like going up there? Was it an OK journey? What was the vibe like? Uh, well, I went first class on the train, obviously. So it was. Oh, it was how much was Kerry that does these days? Yeah, with his senior rail card. I know he's got his senior rail card. I love it. Um, it's quite, you know, if you, you know, I had this discussion with Kerry. If you book it far enough in advance, and you know, you go at the right time, actually, first class isn't that expensive. You know, it's um, it's perfectly fine. Um, it was a really, really busy train though, because I think three or four trains have been cancelled. So in in kind of like a cattle class, it was really busy, um, but not in first class, obviously. So um, so that was definitely worth doing. Uh, it was perfectly fine. I was obviously a little bit apprehensive because Leeds has got a bit of a, a reputation uh, they've got a bit of a reputation we've got a little bit of a history with them so I was a little bit concerned I went with um, uh, the nephew of a friend of mine who lives up in Halifax and so a big Chelsea fan we, we went together uh, with some of his friends and um, I have to say the atmosphere was feisty and it was you know full on from the Leeds fans but you know from from every perspective, it was perfectly fine. It was good. There wasn't any real silliness. It was just a raucous and passionate atmosphere. Um, and obviously, us winning made the whole trip worthwhile. So, you know, it was a lot of fun. Uh, and Gary, it, it was one of those games. You thought, oh, everything has gone wrong in the last few weeks, pretty much, especially at home. Do you think there really is a major difference between us as a team playing away from home than at Stamford Bridge now? Yeah, especially when you're playing a team that just want to run around like, you know, without their heads, which Leeds were doing, right? Which led to the Dan James sending off. They were just playing on pure guts and passion, weren't they, at the start? And then by the time they tried to get into it, they'd lost a man and they were down to, uh, they were 1-0 down as well. So I think that helps. I think the problem with Chelsea is when they play teams who don't want to get us, that's when we struggle to break teams down. But Leeds were just sort of buzzing around, trying to get the crowd behind them. And they left themselves so open. They were so naive that we were just able to pick them off. And you, you see how it happened immediately. You know, from the throw-in led to a goal, right? That should never happen. I mean, they but, go 1-0 um, down after four minutes. It's an uphill struggle. Then they have their man yeah. sent off after 24 minutes. It's over, you know, frankly. It was, a, it was a bit of a cruise, really. They, they, just, they just did they played. have a shot on target? I don't even think they had a shot on target. No, I don't think they did. And they, you could just see the way they played. They were just a team that they knew they needed to get something from the game. And rather than trying to be, you know, play themselves into it and get something and maybe play the game of, you know, trying to steal something, right? They just went in and thought, we'll get at Chelsea early. Maybe they thought because the way other teams have got, got us in games recently, but whatever they did, it backfired. Um, and it was just an incredibly subpar performance for them. It was way easier than I thought it was going to be. I, I mean, I just checked. They didn't have a shot on target. So, no. you know, it was, a, it was a bit of a romp, really. We should have had a few more, frankly. Yeah, we should. But, I mean, that's kind of the story of our season. To actually end up with three goals in a game uh, was, was a bit of a surprise that we managed to get that many in. Um, and also that, that red card. I mean, honestly, how anyone could think it was anything other than a red card is just beyond me. This, this idea, oh, he got the ball. We know now. He goes in too high. He he gets the top of the ball anyway and just goes through, straight through the player. I mean, I'm still surprised Kovacic even could take the pitch at Wembley for a while, let mm. alone be playing that was again amazing. this season. You know, I mean, he actually he played, he played on for about five or ten minutes, didn't he? And then, you know, just went down and you know, it was a horrible challenge. I mean, and when the manager and the player are going, I got the ball, it's like, you clearly didn't. Well, the clearly. best bit about it was that Jesse Marsh watches it on his iPad for the VAR then he complains with the fourth official saying, hey, man, he got the ball. And then he does his interview Christian with Sky Pulisic. after. <laughs> Christian Pulisic's dad. And, um, and then what happens? He does the Sky interview after and he goes, yeah, man, I did not see it, jerk off. And it's like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like... But you use those exact words? Sort of, yeah. It's, right. Okay. Yeah, that's Gary Five. That is. <laughs> I, 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 was, I, was, I was reasonably close to. It. I had a seat fairly, fairly near the front, and you know, from from our position, it was horrible. You heard. I mean, you heard Kovacic, you know, scream, and it was just appalling. And I, I don't understand what anybody was complaining about. And there was about three or four minutes of complaining. It's like just walk Terrible. off the pitch, mate. Awful. Yeah, and, and yeah, as you say, it's Kovacic getting up and then playing on Saturday and having a great game on Saturday. It was quite something. Really, quite something. I mean, I, I do think that Kovacic has 
I, I'm, I've, I've liked him for a long time, but he's very variable. This has been his best season, hasn't it, Gary? Considering where we've been as a club, Kovacic has gone on to another level, don't you think? Yeah, not that I'm a purveyor of all that is true in football, but he's won me over this season. Uh, up until this season, I just didn't get him. I thought that, you know, I, I used to call him cul-de-sac because he loved to run down. He'd, he'd get the ball and he'd look busy with it and he didn't do anything. Whereas this year, he's just completely grown as a player. And he won player of the year a couple of years ago. If anything, there's more of a case for him to be player of the year this year than it was when he when he won it a couple of years ago. Because I think he's been one of our most consistent performers. He's had a few injuries and I think when he's had them, you've really seen the difference in the team in the midfield with the energy and the way that we played that he hasn't been around. And I think that's testament to how much he's you know, grown into what this team has become now. And I think that the future of our midfield needs him in it. Whereas if you'd asked me at this time last season, I'd have been saying no. Um, so whether that was because I misunderstood him or what, I don't know. But he's done something this season... Well, I know what he's done this season. He's got more end products and he's, he's, you know, he's playing football in the right way and he's doing the right things properly. Whereas before, he just wanted to hold on to possession too much and he just ran into these dead ends and it looked good with him running the ball, but he did nothing with it. Whereas now he actually does something with it. And, you know, yeah, yeah, I've, no. I've been really impressed with him. He's become one of my favourite players. So, Andy, do you think this is something that Tuchel has worked on, has seen his ability and has worked out, you know what? Let's get you doing some of this stuff a little bit further up the pitch. Uh, I, I don't know the answer to that, but I, I would imagine that he's worked with all the players on their strengths. And obviously one of the strengths of Kovacic is to uh, control the turnover, to run at people. You know, look, he's like, the only issue I have with Kovacic is losing the ball in, in, in important places occasionally. But that, I think, is a consequence of the bravery with which he plays. And, and so it doesn't disturb me too much, but it's an area of his game. I think some of that decision-making about losing the ball in those areas and giving the chance of a team to turn over and catch us on the break is, is slightly concerning. Um, but he's doing it less and less. And I think like you, Gary's definitely won me over this player. I always thought he was in the mix in that midfield, but I think we're a much better team when he's, when he's in it, frankly. Yeah. And I think he also makes a lot of players better around him in that midfield. He's, he just works so hard, you yeah, know, and I think you, you, for me, I've always, I've always said that one of the key component of any midfield is energy and having energy in that midfield. And occasionally if you don't have Kante in the midfield, uh, and, and you had Kovacic of maybe last season and Jorginho don't have a huge amount of kinetic energy in that midfield. When you've got uh, Kante, you know, peak Kante, Kante that's fit Kante and, and, and or Kovacic in there, suddenly you've got a much more dynamic, energetic midfield and that makes us a better team. Yeah, and I think he is a shoo-in to be part of that midfield again next season. And with Conor Gallagher coming back, it's starting to look quite interesting because we still don't know what will happen, say, with Kante because he's only got a year to go. He's been in and out of fitness for two, two and a half years now. Do you think there's a case for looking at Kante going this summer? Well, we don't know whether Jorginho is going to be there either, of course. I mean, he's made the right noises, but there's also, you know, sort of slight sidebars going on about him possibly leaving as well. Um, so, so, yeah, and if he goes, um, then you're left with, you know, Ross Barkley, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, you know, um, a, a bunch of players, Saul, you know, if he, if he stays. Um, you suddenly the, the cupboards are looking a little bit bare, isn't it? So I think that Kovacic has got to be an important part of the team next season. And, and with Conor Gallagher, hopefully they're our double six, you know, our first choice double six. Um, but we, we're going to need some cover around it and some some options around them as well. And the ones that I've mentioned, I'm not 100% about, frankly, and about you, Gary. Yeah, I, I think that knowing what Chelsea have got without you know, playing the dream ticket of who they can buy, fantasy manager style, uh, knowing Gallagher's coming back, I think that that would be the preferred double with Kovacic and Gallagher in the middle um, if Jorginho and Kante were to go. I wouldn't be too bothered if Jorginho goes. I think with Kante, it's, you, you, you're arming and ahhing about whether you he should stay or go, right? Whereas I think sometimes Chelsea have kept players a bit too long, whereas I think maybe letting him go now, not to say he's a bad player or that he's done anything wrong. I just think that now's the time to leverage his value in the market, to reinvest in a younger player that does the same thing and use that to 
you know create something there where you've got a player that's going to be around for six seven years like can you know Kante signed six years ago now it's gone quick right but six years ago he signed he was one of the first signings under Conte so I think that he's been an incredible servant in that time but I think you know he's got a year left do you want to give him a you drag him into the idea of well you're going to be past 30 you're only getting a one-year extension so that reduces his value in terms of what we can get for him so leverage his value in the transfer market and put that into another player but looking at what we've just got now um i would be concerned if we let Kanta and Jorginho go and we didn't bring someone else in because yeah to have it as but barkley's going barkley's just got to go barkley is just like hanging around like a bad fart and yeah, you I know. Could, he's you his... could have said smell there, Gary. Could have said smell. Sorry, you? a bad, smart, fart, smell. You know what I mean. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I just, I just think you look at that central midfield, and yeah, I think Ruben has shown that he can do fifteen, twenty games a season, but he can't be starting FA Cup finals. He can't be starting Champions League semi-finals, right? I think he's fifteen, twenty a season when Kovacic needs to have a rest in the Carabao Cup and. He's, very much, games a, he's very much a squad player, isn't he? I mean, yeah. and Ruben's had a lot of games this season. He's had a decent run. He's been played in important games. He's been played in games where he's had an opportunity to shine. And he has shone in some games. And he's proved himself to be a very versatile player. You know, centre-back at Luton. He's played right wing-back. He's, you know, he's played in that in that A. He's box-to-box. I mean, he's, he's done a lot of stuff. So I think he's a useful squad player. But you're right. He's he's not someone, I think, that we can pin a title campaign on. He's, no, he's, he's a James Milner. Yeah, it was somebody that will come in and fill a gap or fill a vacuum when there is one. I, 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 I like Jorginho. I always have. You know, I'm constantly surrounded by people, you know, particularly away games, who just scream abuse at Jorginho for the whole game. Usually sort of people like me, I have to say, in their you know mid to late 50s, you know, who just don't quite understand what he does and want him to be something he's not. Um, and this idea of forward and pass the ball and all this stuff, it's like, shut up you don't really understand it and it's like I can understand that he's, he can be a frustrating player because he sees so much of the ball um, and sometimes it's tempting to think that he slows the game down and on occasion he does but generally his role is to play tempo football break the transition pick the ball up move it forward or at least play it simply to create space and these people just don't understand it and I'm kind of sick of them sitting around me so if Jorginho goes and it gives me a bit of peace and quiet maybe that's a good thing that's that's one way to back someone leaving the club. Please, Jorginho, go to save Andy. He's having a most terrible time while you're in the team. Jorginho, oh. you C-word. Forward, forward. <laughs> you know, God, I mean, how many times have I been some idiot stuck behind me just in my ear hole for the whole game? It's like I turn around to this bloke at Leeds, right? Um, you know, we had a bit of a, you know, I wasn't aggressive with him. I just sort of said to him, come on, mate. I said, that's not going to help, is it? Just support him. He said, I've been caning him for months now. And I'm like, well, clearly. And then, you know, his mates were sort of laughing about it. And then I think he, for the second goal, his was the kind of ball that kind of started the move off for Pulisic's goal. And um, so I turned around and sort of looked at the guy and all his mates were laughing. And he sort of went, yeah, well, all right, fair enough. He can do it occasionally. Just don't do it enough. You know, and then went back to kind of like the, the, key, the key to that goal though was that he did the one thing that guy wanted him to do. He passed it forward. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, he had the space to do that, and often they double team him, don't they? So he doesn't have the space. So he's got. That's why they do because they know he's slower and he's not as physical. Where he, he can't exactly, get and out then but you know, I, if if you said to me, there's a player in midfield, you know, in a tight position to get the ball. You know, Kovacic or Genia are probably those players. You know, if you give them the ball in a tight position, they can usually either win a foul or find a way of creating an outlet with the ball. And, you know, and that's invaluable in that situation. Um, you know, even Kante gets done when he's on the ball occasionally. He's brilliant on the turnover, but occasionally he can get done. So, you know, it happens when you're playing in that position. I just wish people would stop you know, sort of targeting individual players for their hate as the kind of lightning rod for their frustration at the rest of the team. Because when Mason Mount does it, or when, you know, which he does, and when other players that, you know, that are not Jorginho do it, it's like, unlucky son, unlucky son next time. You know, but if Jorginho does it, immediately they're on him. And it, I just find it really frustrating and childish. Mount makes oh. mistakes. I haven't seen him make a mistake. No, I can't. I have no idea what you're talking about, Andy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, every player makes mistakes, and he's perfectly entitled to make mistakes. You know, they're not robots. Um, you just got to spread it out a little bit, and not just direct it at one player. No, it's absolutely true. But I mean, for, for that Leeds game, 
we did end up getting three goals. And the, the last one, Lukaku's goal, it's kind of a weird one for me. because He did his best to mess it up. He? <laughs> he did, but then he kept his head. And at the hardest possible moment to score, kept his head and was really cool and calm and collected, having looked so jittery before that in, in the first moments. But it was a funny game from him. He kind of deserved a goal because... He was leading the line. He was trying to do things. And again, two games running, we saw something from him, didn't we, Gary? We saw him trying to be the striker who, let's face it, the last couple of games, the team have been looking to get him in, to play him in, play the ball where he wants it and play to his strengths, haven't they? Yeah, it's funny because the other week when we had Simon on, he said um, the criticism of Lukaku is that he's a flat track bully. But then, like I said, if that's what Chelsea needed him to be this season and he didn't do it, you know, and obviously he spent, a, he spent a lot of time out and on the bench subsequently, but then he's come back and he, he did it in those games, obviously, you know, against Wolves and then on the back of it, Leeds. Um, but that, yeah, that, 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 that goal sort of summed him up, wanting, what was it, 10 touches he had before he ended up turning around to put it in the, put it in the box. But it's against Leeds and you're 2-0 up so you can get away with it. It's just that when you're in bigger moments against bigger teams, you don't get that time. But I guess when you're a striker in his position, you need to build yourself up so that you're not having to have 10 touches and have the confidence that you can just play instinctively. Like we saw, I know we're going back to Wolves, but um, like we saw against Wolves when he just sort of hit that shot on the turn and scored. That's what you need from a player when you're playing against Man United. Well, not uh, Man United these days. But Liverpool and City and, you know, to a lesser degree, Spurs and Arsenal, which he hasn't still got in his locker, but obviously he did it against Leeds. And what about you, Andy? How do you feel it's panned out for him? Has he done enough for you in the last couple of weeks to make you think, okay, we could go somewhere with him next season? Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think he's he's definitely up to it. Um, yes, he did his best to miss that Leeds goal. But, you know, the fact is he showed enough mental strength and physical strength to score it. You know, his finish for the goal that was offside was absolutely brilliant where he lifted it over the keeper, um, you know, and was marginally offside. I thought he was making better runs. Listen, it's all in his head. He's got the ability. He's got the technical ability. He's got the physical power. He's got the technical prowess to, you know, to play in that position in an elite side like Chelsea. Um, Has he got the mental strength, belief, confidence to do it? And has he got the ability to work to a coach's specific way of playing, which Tuchel's clearly is, you know, uh, or is he a player that just needs a coach to say, run around up front, have some freedom, find the space, score some goals. I think Tuchel wants to play him in a particular system. And and that hasn't been easy. So so hopefully this end period of the season where he's showing a little bit of intelligence, for want of a better word, or, or composure, uh, is an indication and that desire. he is... And desire is starting to um, to indicate that he is starting to understand what's expected of him and that his feet are doing what his head wants want them to do um so so in answer to your question in short yeah i think give him another go next season well look i said i think i said last week we're not going to sell him because we won't get value for him so we might as well keep him we might as well persevere with him and i don't think now that holland has gone to man city there's another striker out there that's you know high profile enough that we're going to go in and buy in the summer we might go and buy some unknown that we've been linked with a couple of people that i don't know um and you know to come in but you know he's probably going to be the, the, the kind of number nine next year with Kai Havertz. So uh, I, I don't think it's... I don't think he's coming to us, you know. Um, so he wants to leave Bayern. I know he wants to leave Bayern, but, you know, there's about three or four other clubs in for him at the moment, you know. In, no, sure, but he's got a year on his contract. I, I would gladly... Would you take him for a year? I'd gladly swap Lukaku for Lewandowski. You wouldn't swap him, though, would you? Yeah, I'd do it. Yeah, well, I know you. It's not your hundred million quid. Because though, he's, is it? He's, yeah, but he's, he's got he's got three years in him. He's got three years in him, and in those three years, the problem Chelsea got now is they've got to rebuild in so many places. Right, defense. You've got issues in midfield. Do you yeah. want to give yourself a striker problem, or just go let's persevere with this guy to see if it does work and give it another year, and then at least yeah. you know at the end of that year, right? Look, yeah. I, I, emotionally, I think you're probably right. I think commercially, that's you know that's probably not going to happen, is it? Because they're not they can't write off a hundred million quid. So I think you you you, you play him next year. You've got Kai Havertz. You you, you know and you bring a n other in. Now if you bring Lewandowski in as well, 
then fine. But I don't, I don't see, see Lukaku going. I can't see somebody offering more than 50 mil for him. No, I agree. No, but, I can't. I can't. But anyway, no, not let, even let's, PSG. Let's, let's move on from Lukaku because I've got one last thing to, to just talk about from the Leeds game. Uh, and, and that's Mason Mount, who actually has become the fifth player and the youngest Chelsea player to reach double figures in both goals and assists. He's now got 11 goals and 10 assists. I'm going to open this to the floor. Uh, Fingers on the buzzers. Who wants to go first at naming the other four players who have done this in in a Premier League season? Lampard. Okay. Oh, I thought we were going to name all four. Yeah, Yeah, you've got to name all four. Okay, is Lampard one of them? Yep. Well, the youngest. He's no, no. The, no, Mason's the youngest. Yeah. So that's that. Who are the other four players who've in, reached in all, double in figures? In all of the Premier League, not just Chelsea, in, yeah? No, just Chelsea. Chelsea oh, just Chelsea. Player. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Heidegger uh, Johnson? No. Fabregas? No. Juan Mata? Yes. Eden Hazard? Yes. One more. And there's one left. And if you don't Didier get Didier Drogba. No, you're, you're right. It's Didier Drogba. Uh, okay. I just won 3-1. Yeah. Well, one. Yeah, you did well. You did well. Flat well, you track are Rayman. Bully. You are Rayman. Flat, that's that's flat what it is. track bully. I was surprised it took you so long, Rayman. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I am as well. Sorry, I was, your... I was getting a text from Scott Minto, so I only heard, heard the question halfway through. <laughs> Mince, Mince was on the, on the blower. Mince was Mince. saying, do not talk about me. Mince was <laughs> messaging, asking where I got that kebab from, and I was trying to remember the name of the place. He said... There will be legal action taken if you do not take those photos that you took of me when I didn't even know you were there on a train. So, yeah, stop stalking Scott. Uh, Right, Okay. well, look, we should go to our half-time break now. And when we come back, we'll talk about uh, Liverpool, penalty shootout, Wembley, but the women as well, doing the double. We'll talk about them this week because we will. All right, we'll be back after this. And we're back. So there we were. Groundhog Day, Wembley, Chelsea versus Liverpool, but the FA Cup final. So we will just see. Now, we'll come to that in a minute. Gary's just showing me a sign, which is interesting. But we will just see what everyone thought about this. What was your feeling, Andy? Did you get the feeling... This is probably going to go the distance again because there's nothing to separate the teams when they play each other on the pitch, is there? No, I thought we'd lose. I did. I thought we'd lose in, in normal time and my expectations were very managed. It was a very lovely, sunny, warm day. I was going to go along and enjoy watching my team with very managed expectations. That's exactly how I felt. And Gary, what were your thoughts? I thought that we are two very evenly matched teams. And we played each other three times this season and we've drawn each time. And I thought it was going to be a very tight game and that's what it was. I will caveat what I said by saying that the only thing I did think is I thought they might be tired. And I said to a few people, look, the only thing that might be in our favour is they've played a lot of games, you know, and they've played some really intense games and I think they could be gassed. And frankly, they were. They were tired. And and, and we were by the end as well. So, you know, extra time was two very gassed teams walking around the pitch. But, you know, Liverpool, I think, were a tired team and, and I thought they would be. So, um, but I still thought they might have enough in the tank against us who really, I didn't I didn't feel we were going to get up for it. That's, that's what I, I, that's I, do, what. I do think we are, I know the league table tells another story, but I think that's more about structure and other stuff that we won't bother getting into. But I just think as a team, I, I think there's barely daylight between us and Liverpool. And I think you've seen that this season. Four games, four draws, 240 minutes of cup final football, no goals. I just think that just outlines that we've got threats to damage them. They've got them to damage us. I just think that if we had a striker who was scoring goals, whether that's Lukaku on form or someone else, I think we would have beaten Liverpool. I think that there was enough there. And when I watched the game back, having seen it at Wembley, and I came home and watched it the next day, and I just saw it, I was like, 
I know they had the moment with Jota where it was chipped in, he put it over, but I think overall we had the better chances as well. Oh, we, had, we had ridiculous chances. And, and that, again, is the story of our season. It's like, you know, when, uh, you know, there were three or four, weren't there, you know, chances that you just thought, you've got to score that. They hit the post. They hit the post, yeah. But, 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 you know, Alonso hit the bar. I know that probably wasn't deliberate. But, you know, there was a couple of Pulisic's chance. He's got to score that. He's yeah, got to score it. Both of them. Both the first one and then the one straight after the the um, the whistle well, for the start of the second of, half. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, But I just think that you see our combination play, the way we were... That's why I think that when we play teams like Liverpool and City, I just think we're a better team because we we ask more questions of them as they're asking questions of us. Whereas we struggle when these teams just sit really deep because of the way that we play. Right. And again, that's another debate for another time. But I just think that when you've seen it and four games this season, four draws, it just says it all about Chelsea and Liverpool. They, they've just got a little bit more cutting edge in the moments when they need it against lesser teams. Right. They know how to, they're a bit more savvy. They, they've got a bit more know-how in moments where they can go on to do it, but you'd expect them to have that because they've had the same manager for nearly seven years. Yeah. Tuchel's Look, been there 18 months and has only signed one outfield player of his own, you know? If but we'd doesn't have had Lamp- Lampard, th- Lampard and or Drogba in that game, he would have won it comfortably. Yeah, I mean, I know th- it's a, a lot of shoulda, coulda, woulda in past players. But that killer instinct, <clears throat> that idea that you have a player that knows how to finish, that is just calm in front of goal. We don't have that player at the moment. And, no. and that, that's what we need. And don't you think, though, that... that- the whole Klopp situation in Liverpool, it does say something. It does show, and Gary and I have talked about this quite a bit uh, recently, about this idea that, well, Chelsea have done what they do by getting rid of managers and changing it, and then they come in, we win a trophy, then they go. Actually, we need to start building a, a dynasty. We need to... Everything is changing for us. And we'll talk about the, the news that you've just flashed up there in a, in a minute, Gary, um, about potential threat to the sale. I mean, look, news stories come and go constantly on this. But the point is we need to establish a different way of working now. We're not going to have a bottomless pit of money in the same way that we have had. So we do need to look at a different way of creating a Chelsea team, a Chelsea system, a Chelsea club. And just maybe that means Thomas Tuchel stays for five years or something ridiculous in in the Chelsea world. Um, I think we, we need to be advancing this kind of thinking. And hopefully that's what new owners will do. What do you think, Andy? Well, I think, that's, I think there's a lot to be said for that. If you look at Klopp's early seasons, they weren't that successful. They only yeah. really became successful when they bought Allison and when they bought Van Dijk. And when he sorted those defensive issues out, he was able to release, take the handbrake off those forward players. Um, and, and then we really saw, you know, quite a remarkable team, you know, who were able to press. Um, but, you know, going back to what I was saying before, we're able to finish. And, you know, Salah, uh, Firmino, Mane for that period were absolutely supreme. And now they've got Jota, now they've got Diaz, you know, they've got players that can score. We've got a lot of very good technical players. We've got a lot of players that are, you know, that have a really good mentality, but we don't have players that can do it in front of goal. And until we get those players we're going to struggle to compete with the Man Cities and the Liverpools because ultimately it's all about goals. It is. And you would say that actually I'd love to see the amount of chances created compared to Liverpool's because their conversion rate is probably high. But I would suggest we probably create as many chances as an awful lot of teams. What do you think, Gary? Yeah, I think we do. And I just think going back to Andy's point about early Liverpool on the clock, you know, you remember, was it like 4-0 at half-time against Spurs at Wembley and Lovren getting hooked after like 35 minutes? They were they were just jokers. and But Klopp had the time, right? Because FSG didn't have the money to sack him. And I think even at the time, there was rumours of like, oh, maybe this is wrong because he'd come to Liverpool on the back of that really bad season at Dortmund where they were in the relegation zone for a while and he left. And people were like, hmm, has he lost his, you know, uh, stardust, right? Or his, his appeal. But I think it took him three years to get them into the Champions League. Now, I don't think that Chelsea are that far off. And I don't say this through the deluded eyes of a fan. I just look at what Chelsea have got. And there's much more to this team than, because we're talking Liverpool to compare them, than what was there when Klopp took over at Liverpool. I don't think we're that far off. But what we do need is a manager who's got the backing of 
the ownership or the board or wherever you want to label it that says, okay, what is it that you need? What is the structure you're trying to build? Because really what happened at Chelsea, and this is what we talk about in the blueprint to go back on what we you know, chatting about at the start here, but Ranieri really built something that Jose came in and tweaked and made it great. And then that served us right up to 2012. The hope now is that Tuchel can basically tweak and mould and sort of shape what successive managers have given him because he's he's inherited, as we've spoken about, Conte players, Sarri players and Lampard players. And there's players that want to play different systems or suited to different systems that are stuck in there. All they need is they're not bad players. They just need it to be shunted a little bit with a few other players that go in there to allow them to play a certain way. And I think you get Chelsea back again. I don't think we're that far off. But there's still work to do. And I think in order to get there, you can't be knee-jerk to let the manager go. And hopefully with the new ownership, if that does come to be, which we're going to talk about in a minute, which I'm sure is going to, um, that they're not going to want to spend £25 million to sack the manager and these coaching staff anyway. So hopefully they'll just say, look, we've got a plan. Let's trust in the process and let it go because we know we've got a manager that can serve this club well. Yeah, and I guess we'll see. And As I say, we'll come to the point you just mentioned there in a minute. The the last area that I guess we should talk about relating to the cup final is the penalty shootout. I mean, it seemed inevitable. So many players look out on their feet through extra time that it got worse and worse. And that second half of extra time, it, it was amazing that we managed to finish with a full compliment. Well, uh, just looks- on that point, it was just really interesting, I think. I did, do you notice uh, in the second period of extra time before they came out for that second period, every player went over to Thiago Silva and put their arm around his shoulder? And every player sort of put their arm around his shoulder, patted him on the back, basically said, one more effort, Skip, one more, because he was dead on his feet. He could hardly run. And it was amazing that every single player went over and made a point of saying to Silva, we need you. Uh, no, it, it, it's fascinating. I, I, I just think there, there is a camaraderie in that Chelsea team that seems to be there. And you see it in moments like that. But that penalty shootout, ah, uh, you know, for, from the moment Dave hit the post, you thought, oh, that's it, it's over. And mm. then we had that moment, that moment when... It's the hope that kills you. Well, and, and also, can we say, now maybe that puts an end to the, will he bring on Kepper or not? You know, Mendy, I thought, was very unlucky with two other penalties. He got, got his, his hands, hands on both of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the save, he did that. So, you know, he's shown he can he can stand up for himself in penalties. So we're all, we're all Mason out now, are we? Mason out, T-shirts and... Well, obviously. The, I mean, he's got to go. Game. He's got he's to go got, now, isn't never, he? Got to go. Never, ra- never rated him. <laughs> no, he's pony. Well, I'm like Andy was at the beginning now. You know, Andy said from the start he probably wouldn't make it, you know. So. Yeah, I, I just said he's just got no technique and no energy. You know, that's, that's exactly it. Um, <laughs> how, do you, how do you feel about um, Christensen? Oh, I was going to get on to that. Let's, let's, get, let's get through the penalties and then we'll talk about Christensen. I mean, for, for me... Poor old Mason. If Why is it always in cup finals? The people who usually miss are the people who've played the best game. Mm. Um, and it always ends up in the person who doesn't deserve it, who ends up missing. If and it gets Mason- down to number seven. It's a lottery, you know. I look, I look. Let, let's not beat ourselves up over penalties. As soon as no, it goes, exactly. as soon as it goes to penalties, you have to do what I do, which is just be zen about it. I was zen in the Champions League final in two thousand five, at twelve. It was like yeah, it's going to happen or it's not, and that serves you really well because if it doesn't, you go. It's a lottery. He dives the right way. He doesn't. He hits the post. He doesn't. It's not a game of skill at this point. It's a game of bottle and nerve and luck and. Um, whether the dice fall in the right way, you know. It, and so, look, we, they didn't beat us in 90 minutes. They didn't beat us in 120 minutes. Mason Mount missed a penalty. It is what he is. We go home. You know, that, yeah, that's mean, he, it. He looked inconsolable. Um, well, well, he would and, be, you know, because he'll feel yeah. the responsibility for it, but he doesn't need to. But you look no, at it and you think, you know, I know that the, it, it goes a different way, but you use 2012 as an example, Andy. You know, Matter gifted it to Drogba yeah. for the corner. But yeah. he missed the first penalty. It, it could have gone another way and everyone would have been coating him off. But we got to that final. Schweinsteiger, who's an absolute, who's absolutely brilliant at penalties, you know, and, and had a great Sky game. Absolutely, you know, absolutely, you know, but absolutely. Not I just think that up, you know. Mason Mounts, I know we were just joking about it. So just to have it, I just want to make sure I say what I say in case any morons think that I was saying otherwise. But Chelsea got to that final 
because of Mason Mount. Chelsea have won the trophies they have in the last two years because of players like Mason Mount. Him missing a penalty in a cup final doesn't dictate anything about what he should be seen of or viewed as at Chelsea, right? He is the future of that team, is the future of this club. Touchwood, the new ownership, get him in a room, sell him what they want to do. He signs a new contract and he stays at Chelsea for a long time because he's becoming, he was a good player anyway, but he's becoming the player that we want him to be now. If yeah, you'd have exactly. said to me, fifth penalty to win the FA Cup, Sadio Mane steps up, what percentage of your, you know, of your total value are you going to put on Mane scoring? You know, I'd say 100%. 100% he's going to score this. You know, absolutely no doubt. And he missed. You know, and so players miss. Ronaldo missed in 2008. Tired you players. Know, Tired you know, players. And knackered players in a hot... I mean, God, it was hot in there as well. We mentioned yeah. that, how hot it was in there. Jeez, I mean, God knows what it was like on the pitch. But, yeah. um, you know, so so listen, it is what it is. Kerry even wore yeah. one of the flags. He had to wear one of the flags. I I said, Kerry, do you want some sun lotion? Nah, I'm all right. I was putting my sun That's lotion on. Kerry had a little true. flag on. Do you want to see it, Andy? Like, uh, like a league of gentlemen, you know. A no, I tied it up people. like a scarf. It was brilliant. It kept. I, I had my sun cream on as well, but it was L- hot on the top of your head. Little so, blue riding hood. Yeah, it was. I was little blue Gary, riding hood. Please put that on Instagram. Well, I'm going to show you now, Andy. Look, I'm just. I've got the video. I was doing this lovely. There's pano. a video. Yeah, I was doing this lovely pano. Well, it won't really the, work for for well, any. Lovely go. pano of this. Oh, there he is. Oh my God! Put that on Instagram. Take a screenshot. <laughs> you look I like an old. You look like an old lady. I, like no, I can't. Absolutely. I can't put it on Instagram because it's private. I'll put it on Twitter to my many thousand followers. <laughs> send, it, send it to me. I'll put it on. To, I'll put it on. Oh, okay, then I'll send it. Kerry, do you mind if I do that? I'm gonna put it on. I'll put it on the Chelsea one. one. I'd rather send my one. I'll you, send you, you my you one send if you want. Little Blue Riding Hood. Put exactly. it on the, I'll put it on the podcast one. <laughs> yeah, that, excellent. That I'll has got to be the picture Absolutely. of this podcast <laughs> this week. Excellent. Right, okay, moving on swiftly. Uh, Andreas Christensen, it's come out that uh, he basically declined to play. Now, this has to be a man who hasn't finalised his contract with Barcelona, who's worried he's going to get an injury, isn't it? Am I being cynical? Is that how it is? What do you think, Gary? I don't know. I was thinking about it today and I thought, oh, it's going to come up. I, I don't know what to make of it. I can't have an opinion until we know what's happened, right? It's just it's so, supposition otherwise. Be, well, well it's, but you see, and everyone's reported it now. Even the BBC earlier were like, Christensen refused to play or, or pulled out of the squad last minute. But no one knows the circumstances. They've just gone, he pulled out. There's nothing about there was a rock or he was injured or anything. So I don't know what to think of it. Obviously, it doesn't look good on him, but until more of the BS comes out, I can't really give you an opinion. I know that's a cop-out, but we're commenting on something we know nothing about, so I don't really want to coat him off just yet. Yeah, well, but the first stories were that he had declined to play because he felt he wasn't quite up to it because he'd been ill earlier in the week. Right, that so was... I, I, I don't know, and I guess if, if that's the case, then I, I, I don't know what to make of it. Until you but, hear a solid... I haven't even heard anything... F- doesn't ring true from to elsewhere, me. Do you know what I mean, I, mean I just don't, I'm, I just I'm, don't know. I'm with Gary. I don't really want to speculate on it, but it doesn't ring true to me. Why would you turn down the chance of winning a medal? It doesn't make any sense, you know. And you know, I remember Ryan Fraser for Bournemouth at the end of the season refused to play for Bournemouth because he was getting a transfer to Newcastle. You know, not the same, but you know, it, it, players do think, well, this is a massive payday for me, um, and I don't want to mess this up. I don't want to go all Van Nistelrooy on it and get injured like two weeks before signing. Um, so I, I kind of get it, but look, we don't know. So again, it's just paper talk. It's let the papers yeah. talk about it, no, and we'll. Exactly. we'll We'll, we'll find out in due course. We will. All right. Well, look, um, the the other thing I would like to talk about is the happiness that is the Chelsea women's team. Uh, an incredible couple of weeks for them. You know, they've done the double. I don't know if you watched the cup final this weekend, but I mean, you'd see, you'd seen the most incredible goal from Sam Kerr the week before in, in the romp to the title. Um, and, and Aaron Cuthbert, she hit one of the sweetest shots you will ever see in your entire life. Um, I, I just think this this team, I love watching the women's team. It, it fills me with great happiness. I think there's a lack of cynicism about the football that you watch in, in women's football. Um, there's a great joy to a lot of the players from Chelsea's team. Uh, I love watching them. Um, did you get to see any of it, either of you? 
I did uh, I did watch it um, and enjoyed it thoroughly and, and thought it was the standard of football was very high. Um, look, nothing not to like, is there? Emma Hayes is brilliant. She's a friend of the show. Um, I think she's, uh, you know, absolute legend um, and an amazing manager you know, technically and motivationally, says all the right things, has a fantastic approach to life and football, uh, which a few male managers could learn about, I think. I think, see, Klopp described Liverpool as mentality monsters. You know, he's probably got a point about that, but I think you could probably apply that to the Chelsea women's team. They are mentality monsters. They never look like losing. Never. You know, even when Man City equalised right at the very end, you always thought they'd go on and win it. Or I did. I thought they'd go on and win it. They, you know, Sam Kerr, Penil Harder, they just got enough quality in that team to to overwhelm any team. And, you know, I've watched a few of their games recently and they are something special and they're something to be incredibly proud of as a Chelsea fan. Absolutely. And Gary, your thoughts? Congratulations. I didn't watch it though. No, well, that's okay. But it is it is incredible that we've got this monumentally good women's side at Chelsea. Yeah, no, it's incredible. I I remember being at Chelsea when it was all starting and there was a guy called Sean Gore who was the manager. He was the football in the community guy and he just was the manager because they needed someone to be the manager. And they signed Enia Luko and that sort of was a bit of a, oh, they're actually doing something here. And I think Casey Stoney followed, who was a big name at the time. But... um, I can't sit here and tell you I know much about the women's team because I don't, so I don't want to make out that I do. You know, I'm with Gary in a way. It's not something I follow on a day-to-day basis or a week-by-week basis, but I look out for their results and I'm always very pleased when they win. And, you know, when I do watch them, I'm always impressed. So, you know, all power to them. Yeah, Yeah, and obviously it's it's a credit to Chelsea that they're doing what they're doing with the club and that they're succeeding the way that they are. Um, I I can only say that as an opinion of being a, you know, a long-distant casual observer, but... um, yeah, it's, it's good to see. It's good to see the women's game growing. And 60,000 yeah. people at Wembley yesterday, which is impressive. Yeah, it is. And and lastly, I mean, I love the quote from Emma Hayes as well. When she's asked, do you get stressed during the game? She says, see my son over there? That's stress. This is football. I love doing this. This football thing's easy. You know, stress is looking after your son and, and taking care of him. And she is just so incredibly down-to-earth, forthright, and passionate, and more power to Emma Hayes and that whole team. Um, it's been. And she's funny. She's funny as she's well, funny. and she, she doesn't take life too seriously. And I think that's uh, again, you know, something that a few other managers could look at. You know, she her approach to life is one of this is a joyful thing to do. Let's be joyful about it. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, look, we are going to have to wrap up in a second. So quickly, we'll just go to the story you just mentioned. I wonder if it's a little bit of news hype that uh, apparently the deal is the Abramovich deal is uh, under uh, a certain cloud, isn't it? Gary, you've just read this story that's saying that... uh, Well, it's just that the government is apparently trying to get more clarity from Abramovich and the fact that um, he's not going to get the money. They just want to know exactly what's going on. But the thing is, is I don't see why, that, again, people that understand these things more so than us are going to have more insight and they're going to be able to explain it better. What I don't understand is if the money's all going into a seized bank account anyway, how can Abramovich take the money? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. But obviously, look, these things take time. There's, you're selling a house and it takes ages and there's paperwork you don't understand. You're selling a football club for billions of pounds it's gonna have I, I can't see the government i vote conservative right I, but even this shower can't let chelsea fail right come on yeah. even this shower can't let this they're not going to let it happen I'm not, I'm not saying that to be blasé about it but it's one of those things where it always come down to the wire and it will go through they're not going to let an institution like chelsea disappear just because of the tax money that's involved in it anyway yeah, I, mean, no. I can't believe you just admitted you voted Conservative, but you know. I, I, I am not ashamed to say I vote Conservative. Let's we, move on. Let's all, move well, on. I'll just, I'll just say we're al- everyone is allowed an opinion. No, and I, I, I'm I not questioning that. I'm not no, no, questioning that. I, so I, I, I can't be, believe you admitted it. Oh, I, I shouldn't be ashamed of who I vote for. I'm not voting for the Nazi party, so I shouldn't be ashamed, should I? Well. Oh, well, come on. Now, that's under the belt there. Come on. It doesn't mean I agree with all their policies, but look. I don't think anyone should be, unless their party is the BNP or something that is actively out there chasing people out, 
you can't say you're ashamed to have an opinion on something, right? I think everyone wants to achieve the same thing. I just believe in a different way of achieving it. It's true. Let's move on. Um, and Andy, this sale will go through, won't it? Uh, look, Gary's right about about too big to fail. Uh, they can't let a cultural institution like Chelsea go to the wall. Um, I, I think there's a certain amount of political capital to be gained by some politicians and uh, and political figures questioning it and 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 highlighting it, creating some publicity for themselves. But ultimately, I think that there probably are enough checks and balances in place to ensure that what the government has stipulated will happen. So, no, I'm not overly concerned. No, me neither. I think it's all just one of those stories. They keep trying to bring it up and cause a little bit of conflict. Um, All right, look, we are just about out of time. So this is going to be a very, very quick prediction score only for our two games coming up at home. We've got Leicester and then we've got Watford. Gary, would you like to go ahead with your thought and scores, please? 3-3 for Leicester. Okay, And Andy? Both teams are on the beach. They're both going to get beaten 3-0. They're both going to get beaten 3-0. Oh, we're doing Watford as well? Right. Yeah. Oh, oh, Watford. um, 1-0 Chelsea. Right. Okay. I'm going to go for uh, Leicester. I'm going to go for 2-1 Chelsea. And Watford, I'm going to go for a whopping 5-0 Chelsea. And that'll be it. That'll be the season over. We've... (laughs) I can't Thank imagine this side for being able to score five goals. Well, look, we will, we will come back next Monday to have our last round up, the three of us, and have our final thoughts about the season. Um, and hopefully we will know more about where we move forward to as a club by then. Maybe something will happen. And I'll tell maybe. you all about my mate's allotment AGM, maybe. Well, that's important to know. In fact, maybe we'll get him on the show if he'd like to <laughs> come on and discuss it. Right, well, look, we are out of time. Thank you, Andy, as always. Thank you, Gary, as always. It's been fun chewing the Chelsea cud with you. Um, Have a great week, everybody. And come on, you blues. Only a few more days. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.